This is Bruce Hart of the Hart Foundation. Hi, this is David Ward, Director of Photography on Bloodsport, Director of Kickboxer. Hi, my name is Frank Dukes. Some of you might recognize my name from the movie Bloodsport. John Claude Van Damme portrays me in the movie. Hi, folks, this is Grandmaster Soto, eight-time Welcome with the champion. Hi, this is Master Todd Summers from White Tiger Martial Arts in Salem, Indiana. This is Mohamed Kisi, alias Don Po, in the movie Kickboxer with Jean-Claude Van Damme. This is Paul Herzog, composer of the music from Bloodsport and Kickboxer. Hi, this is Tony Luke Jr., a.k.a. Joey the Nail Nardone. This is Mike Ritchoni, producer of Bloodsport 2. Hello. This is Haskell Von Anderson III. I was Winston Taylor in the movie Kickboxer. You're listening to Justin Ray Harvey. Justin Ray Harvey's life is a different culture. It's a different world. You better come to terms with that, or you won't last a heart, a heart, a heart, a heart. Hi, this is Jim Thomas. You are listening to the Justin Harvey Radio Show, and I'm glad to be with you. Ladies and gentlemen, Justin Harvey here on the Justin Harvey Show, welcoming you to a special weekend edition of my show. Today, I have one of the top grandmasters on my show, Grandmaster Jim Thomas. Welcome to the show, my brother. Glad to have you. I'm glad to be with you. Thank you, sir. And um, before before we get started with with your career, I was um, I was told something something very very interesting, and um, I was told that. You know my grandmaster, Frank Dukes, and um, that you've known him for years. And I was wondering if you could uh, possibly share one of your favorite stories or memories uh, surrounding Grandmaster Dukes. Uh, certainly, yeah. Frank's been a friend of mine for a long time. And um, the thing that's, that sticks in my mind the most is... Uh, um one time we were um we were at the uh, at a casino mm-hmm. in um in Seattle actually Tacoma Washington and um we were there to watch uh, George Foreman's son fight um you know George has got all of his sons are also named George Foreman too but anyway one of the one of the Georges were on the were on the boxing card and we were invited as guests to come and and uh, we were going to go backstage and talk to George and, and so forth. And George and then his girlfriend that he had um, was with him. And, and after the uh, fights were over with, um, um, I said, hey, Frank, let's go up and let's have a piece of pie and a cup of coffee. And he said, okay, that's great. And immediately his girlfriend said, oh, no, he's not allowed to eat that kind of stuff. And I looked kind of bewildered because just a week before that, or a couple of weeks before that, we were traveling around going to some different MMA shows. And every time we turned around, Frank had me stopping at Waffle House or Steak and Shake or McDonald's or somewhere. And, and he was eating like a crazy man. And I thought, if she only knew what all he ate with me when we were out this last couple of weeks, she would absolutely have a heart attack. 
Mm-hmm. So I looked over at Frank when he wasn't allowed to eat a piece of pie and a cup of coffee, and he winked at me and said, shh, don't touch, you know, like, you know, don't don't say anything, you know. And uh, so I never said anything to to get him in trouble. But that's the thing that really sticks on my mind that he that man can eat. And if if you if if you ever volunteer to take him out to dinner, you better bring your checkbook. Wow. <laughs> so, but Frank's a good guy. I really like Frank. Oh, oh yeah, I've I fall I've followed. Uh, Hunchy Dukes' career since I was like three years old, so yeah, he's he's right. like my martial arts idol. So, right. but um, yeah. uh, okay, um, what what really what really got you started in martial arts, uh, Grandmaster Thomas? Because um, I think that would be an interesting story in itself. Um, well, you know, I mean, just like uh, a lot of youngsters, you know, I started karate in 1960 and um and in those days really kids never did karate and women uh, didn't either they didn't take karate either it was a an adult male thing to do in the evenings but my dad was also a karate teacher and uh and he always wanted his boy to go to karate class with him so i was able to go along with a couple of other little kids we had to sit down we wouldn't allow to do anything we just had to sit still and not move but we were allowed inside the dojo because our dads were there. And uh so that was my introduction as a little little child and um and since then, you know, my one of the things that I dearly loved was watching the big guys, you know, we didn't have hand pads or nothing like that back then in those days. But to watch the big guys um go at it and you know, do their forms and their and, uh, practice kumite and and things. It was just my eyes were wide and my jaw dropped and it's just something that I knew watching those guys at that time. I just knew it was something I was gonna do the rest of my life and here we are now, two thousand fourteen and I'm still at it. Wow, that, that that's amazing and and you have your doctorate too, correct? I mean Yes. You're known as uh, Dr. I Thomas as well. Six, right, right. Yeah, I, I spent 16 years in college, and and um, you know, but but far more than anything that I've ever done, I've put way more, way a lot more time in mm-hmm. um, the martial arts than I have any kind of thing that I've done done in my life. You know, I've I've always said, you know, whenever I grew up, I was always going to be a karate guy. That's exactly what I do. Oh, oh, absolutely. I concur with that because, you know, I I always knew in some in some aspect that I would, you know, surround myself, you know, in martial arts um, in my life as well. So I can really relate with that as well. And and also, um, I um over the past. And I know that you're gonna find this I know that you're gonna find this funny, but in the um in the past two days I have studied all of the best of the best films and <laughs> yeah. I still have not noticed the part that you're in. So and well, I, have, I was no, yeah. Yeah, well, you know, it's like I was telling you before. Um I was um, in the in the third one and I got to do a lot of uh, stunt stuff that you can't really see my face. Mm-hmm. But the one place that you can see my face and see me mm-hmm. is when we were all in the uh, auditorium. 
and it was the recruits for the skinheads. You got to understand too that it was just a part. I never, um, I'm by all means not a racist type of person. It was just a, a part that you know that I was fortunate enough to get, and uh, so I was in the auditorium sitting, and I think I was in the first or second row, and the uh, the character, the main character, would say Zieg Heil, and my our job was to raise our hands, say Zieg Heil, Zieg Heil. <laughs> so you have to, you you know, when I showed my family, I mean, we mm-hmm. spent a lot of time filming, a lot mm-hmm. of time filming, and uh, and a lot of the parts were cut, and a lot of the things w- w- weren't even seen, but the part that you see me do, um, mm-hmm. um, you have to actually. Stay. On your remote, you have to, if you're watching it with a DVD, you have to actually pause <laughs> to look at me and see me. So I wasn't like no, uh, I wasn't like no main character or anything, but it was, it was pretty cool being around Simon Ree and Philip Ree, and I got to meet Gina Gershon and all the characters. Some of the past characters and the best of the best one and best of the best two is Eric Roberts and all those guys. I got to meet him. But, um, you know, it was just kind of a, a period of my life where I got to I got to be involved, but, you know, I was never no big top dog or nothing. <laughs> I mean, it's just amazing, though. But, I, I, you know, like I said, I did try to study the film hard to try to, try to you know, yeah. to try to catch it. And unfortunately, yeah, I was just a little short, little short white guy with the mustache and head. And the idea and the intent was... After our meeting, we actually filmed that part later in um, in the in the filming, mm-hmm. um, and it appears to be like one of the first things that that happened in the film. But but it was actually later later when we did that that, see, that scene, and uh, you, you actually have to put put your remote on pause to actually see me. And so when I was showing my kids, they were like. There's Dad, <laughs> but I had to show him, point my finger to this big screen <laughs> to show him where I was. But, but that, that's at least great. I got to say I did it. You know, I mean, I, at least I got to be part of it. So, so, um, so Simon Ree was there for the uh, for the filming and everything because he wasn't even oh, in yeah, the, the third one. Oh yeah, which was which oh, was yeah. uh, Simon was there. Yeah. Simon was on set, so was, of course Philip was too, because Philip was the main character. But mm-hmm. Simon was also there too, yeah. Because mm-hmm. what was really yeah, I think I, I think I sent you a picture. I, I think one of the pictures that I sent you um, mm-hmm. was with uh, Simon and Philip walking right in front of the set. The set was an old. Um, it was in uh, Jackson, Ohio, mm-hmm. and it was an old abandoned um, uh, stone quarry or rock quarry or some kind of a quarry, I think. And um, it was abandoned, and the the uh, the producers and the the, the uh, money backers actually bought this place, and they actually uh, revamped it to make it look make it look like it was still in operation. Where actually it had been closed for a while. And if you notice in some of the film, they they blew it up, and they were only able to blow it up because they bought it. So I don't, I don't know what they did with it afterwards, but uh, yeah. But yeah, it was. A, it looked like it was in full operation, but it was. You know, it was actually. It had been closed down for a while. Yeah, well, well, to me, like the only disappointing, the only disappointing point to the film, I think, was that Simon wasn't actually in the film, and Simon's right, character right. was like one, of, like my favorite character. So. 
Yeah, Dehan. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, he he was uh, one-eyed Dehan. He was the um, he was. You know, I think from what I remember them talking, he was actually. Uh, um, I can't remember one one of the the uh, more famous. Um, we were all sitting around having lunch one day in, in the, at the lunch in the, the lunch mm-hmm. trailer, and uh, and he was talking about how he was he was traveling a lot doing um, personal teaching, not at his own school, but with like celebrities, major blockbuster A-rated celebrities at the time. And I'm trying to even think of who the lady lady was that mm-hmm. that he was talking with his brother um, about. Um, um, I can't remember top top of my head, but uh, yeah, he he was actually traveling around. I, mean, I don't know if that had had some kind of reason reason to it, or if the. I mean, you know, the, the, the world of Hollywood, they um, in movies, they they can write stuff in and take it right back out and film stuff and not even use it. Not, kind of yeah, not yeah, and, and not even use it because. Uh, Interesting fact uh, that I was that I was told the other day. Um, Master Frank Dukes told me that um, Simon Ree was in um, one of uh, Frank's first film, Firefight, which never got released, and I had no idea. Yeah. You know, I had no idea. So, right. Right. I mean, it, it, it in the. In the martial arts community, it's a small world, so to speak, in some ways. Mm, you know? Sure it is. Sure it is. Because in it's some a, ways... You know, in the world, of, the world of Hollywood, I mean, you've got to be a black belt in acting just like you have to be a black belt in, in the martial arts in order to, mm-hmm. to achieve any kind of success at it. And, you know, there's some guys that, that get lucky, you know, they get into movies and they get lucky and they make it big. Steven Seagal and, you know, John Claude Van Damme and, you know... There's a few of them that have done that, but for the most part, um, you know, if you're if you're trying to search out, try to be an actor. Mm-hmm. Well, a good, a good friend of mine, uh, Jeff Mead, um, he'll tell you that he he always says whenever I'm talking to him and we're, and we're doing seminars and things, he always says um, that uh, not to, definitely not to uh, try to pursue being an actor. He said, if you go to Hollywood in California and L.A., he said, every time you go to a restaurant, every waiter or waitress or cashier or bartender or whoever you talk to is someone that came from somewhere else via the world or U.S., and that's there that's a struggling actor. Mm-hmm. So you got to be really lucky in order to be in the right place at the right time in order to get get to be in the big big screen. Oh, yeah. Not something that I ever, I I never really wanted to, you know, pursue. Not that I could have, but <laughs> I mean, it, it's, happy it's, actually, what I it's actually something that I'm actually might be looking into. I mean, it may take me a while to get there, but mm-hmm. who knows? You know, right, right. I mean, because because with me, Master Thomas, I have always uh, defied the odds because. Uh, you know, I have a disability called cerebral palsy, and I've had people mm-hmm. all my life say, "Oh, well, you're not going to, you're not going to be a martial artist, or you're not going to have your own radio show." And right. you know, I have my own radio show. That's what we're doing right now. Right. Well, you're living the dream, brother. You know, you can, 
you know, I mean, it's a great big world out there. You can do anything you want to do in this world. And that's what, as a martial arts instructor, we teach our people. You can mm-hmm. be anything you want to be. It's just not a path that I wanted to to follow trying to be an actor. Um, you know, I, I've had a few other little teeny small parts um, and different things, but um, I just never really wanted to be, you know, give up what I had to do in order to try to achieve that. I've just always been happy with the, happy with being the way I am. Oh, but you, know, you keep on doing what you're doing, brother. You know, I mean, you get your radio shows, you got your dreams and aspirations, and that's mm-hmm. what the martial arts is all about. Reaching out, reaching out there for your goals. Oh, oh, I, I, absolutely, Master Thomas. And uh, another thing I found I found interesting about you too is um, uh, you were you were a personal bodyguard for ZZ Top. Can you can you talk a little bit about yeah, that? Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, I, I worked for a company called Seaman Enterprises that, that had made contracts for a few bands and. Uh, and uh, Eddie Money and ZZ Top and John Mellencamp and Wheel and Jennings and REO Speedwagon and uh, mm-hmm. Foreigner and a few guys. And I you know, got to, you know, become personal friends with, with Lou Graham, the lead singer for Foreigner. Mm-hmm. He, was, he was the voice behind Foreigner. And ZZ Top and all those guys. And it's kind of funny because the image that they show as rockers, or at least back then, were... Um, you would think that they're partying animals, but that's hardly the truth. ZZ Top was probably one of the most straight and narrow, run the straight and narrow type of lifestyles that I've ever met. The party well, animal was Eddie Money. Eddie Money, I, mean, I was a party animal guy there. Mm-hmm. So, you know, they, a lot of the rockers, they, they, they've uh, had experiences with, you know, a lot of drugs and alcohol and, and things mm-hmm. in their lives, but... Um, I can honestly say ZZ Top was never one of those good bunch of guys. And and, and it it goes for me saying this: never judge a book by its cover, folks. Because there you go. You never, you never you go. know. So that's right. And, and do you know? Uh, years ago, they got they got offered a million dollars to shave their beards, and you know, yep. oh, they, yeah. I know that. they uh, never did that. I was around them. They didn't need the money then, you know. I mean, you know, yeah. every girl's crazy about a sharp dressed man. That was their image. They get rid of their image. You know, they, they, that would have been a been a bad mistake for them. No amount of money could have replaced that. But uh, mm-hmm. who knows if they had to do it? They would do it now. But but uh, yeah, they were offered a lot of money. Yeah. Oh, absolutely, and and also, Master Thomas, if you wouldn't mind. Uh, Talk about some of your awards and achievements because, frankly, there's just too many of of them uh, for me to remember. Honestly, I mean, you know. <laughs> well, you know, a, a lot of people are like that. You know, my students and, and things are. Oh, look, you know, you won three thousand trophies or twenty seven hundred or whatever. I don't know. And you know, yeah, of course I have. But you know, anytime and, and no matter what you do in life, you've been doing it as long as as I've been doing this. You know, you're going to have, you know, um, um, achievements and a lot of things that you're going to uh, have um, that maybe other people are going to be overwhelmed by. But, but you know, for the person that's went to it, you know, it's not a real big deal, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, I've, I've been fortunate enough to compete around the world, 
beat the best in the world, been beat by the best in the world, had my moments of glory, and, and uh, love every minute that I that I've uh, been out and about uh, competing in the world of martial arts. Being involved, it's just great. Okay, and I, I call this one the one million dollar question here. Um, would you ever compete in a kumite if you ever got the opportunity? I'm pretty old now, but uh, there was a day when when uh, when I fought, um, there wasn't no such thing as MMA. You know, the thing was uh, bare knuckle fighting. The difference is they would call points. I mean, you know, the idea was you would try to hit people, you know, to make them swallow their tongue, and and uh, you could hit them hard enough, you won. But uh, yeah, at that period of time, you know, the, uh, the the kumite and stuff like that, from what I understand, you know, you had to have be a a certain weight, and I was always a little fella, and I could never, um, you know, uh, uh, make weight. Uh, that much because I, I walk around about a buck forty, buck forty-five. Um, pretty small guy. I'm a little bit bigger than that now, but um, but yeah, you know that at that period of time, I always tell everybody. I mean, I would have rather fought than um, fornicate. I mean, I was just in my blood. I was just a born lover of combative sports, and mm-hmm. uh, and you know, but those days are over now. Now I get excitement out of watching some of my students. Living the dream that I had. Oh, a- absolutely, Master Thomas. And um, what is what is your biggest goal or expectation for 2014? Because obviously, I mean, you have uh, accomplished so much in your career. You know, uh, I mean, what what's next for uh, Master Thomas? Well, you know, I think you know before my goals and, and aspirations were to, to meet. All of these people that you know, as as a youth that I looked up to, or um, you know, uh, be around all these stars and stuff. And that was the cool thing for me then. But as I've gotten a little bit older, um, now I think that the the most humbling thing for me is to be around some of these people that that respect me like a I respect them like a man. And um, we um, we have, as we get a little bit older, we have a little bit of a different mindset. We we're not so competitive in the uh, in our daily life like we used to do. You know, we would you know we uh, would live, eat, and sleep uh, competitions. But now I think more and more it's uh, for me just to be around these people are more satisfying to me now than anything because as I've gotten a little bit older, a lot of these guys are are passing on. And the worst thing for me would be to say that I never got to say how much I care about these people um, Mm -hmm. while I can until it's too late until they're gone. You know, I mean, just last year I I can think of five or six top-notch a great martial artist that have passed away. Mm-hmm. And um and so now I think that's probably my biggest goal for two thousand fourteen is just to surround myself with the people that I admire. Oh absolutely, Master Thomas, and yet again I can I can relate because that's one of the biggest reasons I started this radio show online because 
you know, there's wonderful martial artists with with wonderful stories and these, you know, and wonderful heritage. And I just, you know, I want to be able to pass these stories before they get lost. Right. So. Right. That's good. So that You're doing a good job, brother. You just keep this up. This is awesome. Oh, I, I, absolutely. And um, my my next question is, um, and you can take as long as you need. Um, you know, it's obvious that you have a lot of great stories, and, and this brings me to my next question. Uh, have you ever thought about Have you ever thought about writing a book and and sharing these stories about ZZ Top in your career? Yeah, you know, I have. I've I've I've, I've done that. I've written several different little things, and and I kind of work been working on my memoirs. Uh, um, for the last couple of years, but you know, to be honest with you, it's a very time-consuming pro- type of project, and I really don't have a whole lot of time to do that. But mm-hmm. that, you know, I, I have uh, I have a lot of great memories that I would like to put on paper and share. So yeah, I, I think that I'll get to that at some point here pretty soon. Oh, oh, that that would be great. And um, if you do get your book released and want to come back on the show and, and promote. I would be more than happy to to have you back on, do that. on the show. I'd love to do that. Absolutely. So, um, uh, any any final any final thoughts that you want to share with my audience? Because I know I know you got the Super Bowl coming up, and I do not want to disturb that. So. Oh, that's you know that's good. I mean, it's, I watch football usually once a year, and this is this is the day that I watch it. But. Uh, um, um, you know, I used to be when I was younger. I mean, I knew every player on every sport team that there was. And now, being so involved in the martial arts world, I am. I, I don't sp- spend a whole lot of time with a whole lot of sports. But uh, you know, the, the 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 best thing in the world that that I can offer to everybody else is just to um, continue with their passion. More people need to be involved in the martial arts, and they need to really discover. Mm-hmm. And they really need to keep the history and their t- tradition alive. Mm-hmm. And it never used to be that way for guys like me when we were growing up because there wasn't such a thing as the Internet. I mean, if we wanted to learn about anything, we had to read a book that was available. Or we just had to be able to be fortunate enough to sit and talk to people that that we were introduced to that could share those stories. But now people have the power of the Internet. And you can look up things, and you can do your own research, and and it's a very powerful thing. So there's a lot of people right now that you know they um, they don't take advantage of that. And they teach classes, and they they practice their arts, and they have no clue about their history or lineage. Mm-hmm. And that's a really important thing for a martial artist to do is to learn about their history, learn who their forefathers were, learn what's what's important as far as heritage go. And the worst thing in the world for a martial arts instructor to, to is ignorant of the, of the history. Oh, I, I, so I, that's, absolutely. that's very important. Yeah, yeah that's, that's very important. And actually, I do have one more question because it just popped in my, just popped in my head. I, I learned from a, I learned from a source, and this is why I'm going to ask this question. I learned from a source that you know some professional wrestlers. Uh, what's your thoughts on, like, WWE and uh, TNA and, and you know, the wrestling? Well, 
Well, yeah, I mean, I um, I had uh, at one time I had my one of the agents that I had booked a lot of my stars and my trip and stuff. Um, was the same agent that was the same agent for Dallas Page, mm-hmm. and when that happened, then I got introduced to Goldberg and and um, a few of the popular w, WCW guys then, mm-hmm. and um, the Oriental Express. Uh, Pat Tanaka and all those guys, I got to be mm-hmm. pretty good friends with it. And um, and yeah, yeah, I mean, I, you know, even though it was um, uh, the role of wrestling was um, set up, staged, I never took nothing away from those guys because they were athletes. You know, when like Buff Bagwell mm-hmm. and me would hang around. Um, he would always uh, uh, be complaining about how his back hurt or his his neck hurt. And my God, why wouldn't they? You see some of the stuff that they do off those ropes. I'd never try it. <laughs> so I have a lot of admiration for those guys that you know they take those thumbs and stuff. And they they've got to make it look real, you know. So even though it's a even though the world of wrestling is is set up. Um, it, it's fake to the extent of drama, but it's not fake as far as the thoughts that those men and ladies, <laughs> they, they beat the hell out of each other. Oh, <laughs> so I, I, I have absolutely. A, lot of, a lot of admiration for those guys. And, and they put their lives in real danger. A good example is, um, is Owen Hart, that tragic oh, yeah. accident with Owen Hart. So, yep, yeah. exactly. Yeah, the um, athleticism of these guys are incredible. So, I mean, I, I mean, I have high respects for you know the re- the wrestling business, but what kills me, honestly, Mister Thomas, is and, and I'm not taking I'm not taking anything away from these guys, but sometimes I can't stand when some of them get too cocky and then they decide to move over, over to MMA and then they wonder why they get their asses hand to them. You yeah, know? right, right. It's a whole different animal. I mean, they're two different animals. And mm-hmm. I think that the athletes, you know, just like one of my good friends is Tank Abbott. And uh, Tank Abbott, MMA fighter, and, you know, uh, uh, Ken Shamrock and those guys, and even Dan Severn, good friend of mine, they went on into the world of wrestling. And uh, But, you know, being an MMA guy and being a big, uh, big-time wrestler is two different animals. And I think that they do it out of curiosity. They do it try to keep busy, try to get work, I mean, you know, because, you, all, you know, we always get to a certain period in our life where, you know, I mean, maybe, you know, as a fighter, maybe the fights aren't coming in as good. You still got to pay your bills, so they go on to the world of wrestling or whatever. But, yeah, you're right. They do a lot of the uh, – it goes both ways. Some of the MMA guys get their asses handed to them by the wrestlers because it's a whole different animal, and it goes the other way around, too. Yeah, it looks like that they could like do like a reality type show. You take so many MMA guys and uh, so many wrestling guys and make them switch. You know, like make them switch yeah. their profession, so to speak. I think that would be yeah. quite that, interesting. That, that'd be interesting. Yeah, that would be interesting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But um, we will go ahead and, and let you go, uh, Master Thomas, and I will make sure and. Uh, Send you a text message that everything recorded, and and uh, I appreciate you being on the show, and uh, I really hope I did a good job doing this interview. So, so. I'm glad to be part of it. I'm glad to help you out. 
And, uh, you know, any kind of a disability is only in one's mind. You're doing a great job, and you keep on kicking, brother. Oh, oh, absolutely. Like my master once told me, and I think you'll agree, he, he told me once, he said, everyone in this world has a disability. He said, some are easier to hide than others. That's correct. So, so. That's correct. But you enjoy your Super Bowl, my friend, and uh, I'll be talking to you soon. Okay, keep on kicking. Absolutely. Take care, my friend. You too. Bye-bye. Bye. The family, volunteers, and in collaboration with Speaking Mind Radio, The Justin Harvey Show, and The Missing and Abducted Radio Show, has created this public service announcement related to Christina Kleckner, who has been missing since October 1st of 2011 from Cleveland, Ohio. Christina Kleckner has medical issues, is mentally challenged, and may fluctuate from seemingly age-appropriate behaviors to childlike behaviors. She is considered vulnerable and in need of her medications. Christina also has suicidal tendencies. When Christina took adventures out, she was always accompanied by the family or caregiver. The parents reported Christina missing on Sunday, October 2, 2011, after last seeing her at 8 p.m. the night before when an argument had occurred. When Christina's father went to her room the next morning to check on her, he had found Christina wasn't in her room and her PJs were in the middle of her floor. In the morning also, the back door was found to be unlocked. The family says she has ran away in the past but has always come home. Christina has a scar from a dog bite on her left ankle. The clothing that was missing from Christina's room is her black boots, black vinyl jacket, bling jeans, a blue jean skirt, a blue jean purse with a pick of Tinkerbell. Christina Kleckner was 24 years old at the time of her disappearance and is now 26 and will be 27 on May 27th of this year. She has brown hair, blue eyes, weighs between 180 to 200 pounds and is 5 feet 5 inches tall. Anyone who has seen or has any information on Christina's disappearance is asked to call the Cleveland, Ohio 2nd District Detectives at 216-623-5262 or 216-623-5218. If you are afraid to call, please send me or help find Christina Kleckner's group admin and inbox. All background music for The Missing and Abducted and Speak Your Mind Radio has been provided by me, Justin Ray Harvey of The Justin Harvey Show. Be sure to tune in on YouTube at Frank Dukes Fan for my official channel for shows and updates. See you there. Keep on rocking, David Levitt.